0: Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great guest for you, and I'm excited to introduce her in one second. But before I do, I want to talk about the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. We are nearing summer. Can you believe it as this episode comes out? And Blueprint MCAT last winter created their first immersive MCAT course. One month, highly intensive MCAT course. And they're doing it again this summer because it worked so well during the winter. If you're interested and have the time because it is really intensive, go check out blueprintmcat.com and see what they can do for you this summer to get you the score you need to get into the school that you deserve. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to our guest today, Jen. Jen, welcome to the pre-med year. Thanks for joining me.
1: I'm so happy to be here. As ah. I was saying, it's surreal.
0: <laughs> Very surreal. Surreal, yes. <laughs> uh, I've been watching you on social media forever, so it is uh, surreal for me too.
1: <laughs> I've been I promise you I've been watching you far longer
0: are you calling me old Jen
1: no I'm just so new to social media so <laughs> I've only been on three and a half months yeah yeah
0: well you're you're crushing it and I'm excited to chat with you today because uh you have the very stereotypical non-traditional journey that I love to to tell here on the podcast so when did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor
1: I was 27. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had been working in fitness, essentially. We like to say health and wellness to make it sound fancier. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was so interested in my clients and my, their physiology and their motivation. And I had previously um, helped a family member of mine actually drop her A1C over a period of four months just through exercise. And I just knew I wanted to be in health management and work with people. Um, so I knew, yeah, I was about 27 years old, about to turn 28 and it absolutely terrified me. Yeah.
0: So you're 27 years old. You had never thought about being a doctor before. What were you doing prior to this?
1: Okay. So prior to working in fitness, I was an accountant. I did my undergrad in finance, my master's in accounting. I thought I wanted, I thought I wanted to work on wall street actually for a (laughs) while. Um, and then decided to go into corporate accounting because I guess I thought that would be better. And it, it wasn't for me, for me. Yep. I have lots of friends that still do that and they're perfectly happy. Um, so yeah, I did that. And as I mentioned before, my aunt was diagnosed with type two diabetes and I worked, I moved back home, worked remotely um, as an accountant and helped her lower her A1C. I went to her doctor's appointments and I just, that was my first introduction to managing someone's health. Yeah. And, uh,
0: I'm interested to know, right. Type Mm -hmm. two diabetes, typically not that big of a deal, obviously to begin Mm -hmm. with, right. Type Mm -hmm. two diabetes uncontrolled for a long period of time, obviously Mm -hmm. has huge consequences. Mm -hmm. What was it about your aunt's diagnosis that you think triggered you to go do all of these things? Because that it seems like a very Mm -hmm. extreme switch for and I'm not minimizing type two diabetes, mm-hmm. but but for an initial diagnosis, things are going mm-hmm. on like there, there seems to me like there was something else boiling under the surface.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, first of all, I was really unhappy with what I was doing before. Okay. Um, I'd always been I'd always loved to exercise. I'd always been interested in that world. I, I've done triathlons. I was an athlete in high school, um, but also it's interesting you ask because there absolutely was something else boiling under the surface and that was that my grandmother passed away suddenly at 62 years old Mm. she just one day and um that was really traumatic for my entire family and you know I'm from the south we have kids very young not me but so you know well just all the women were all involved in each other's lives because everyone's so young um and so my grandmother passed away my aunt Because my mother was so young when she had kids, my aunt helped raise me. And so then when she was diagnosed with this chronic illness, I just thought we can't have another one this young, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I was unhappy at work and I just felt like if I didn't do something, I would really regret if something happened later.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you, you take your love of fitness you help your aunt lower her a1c through diet mm-hmm. exercise all that stuff why not become a nutritionist why not a dietitian mm-hmm. w- whatever the the official term is there i think dietitian is the the more mm-hmm. uh, official term uh with training physical therapy why not that
1: that's what i thought i was going to do yeah okay yeah for sure i mean that is kind of like the most obvious route um But after working in fitness for five years, I just realized that food wasn't really the main culprit. Um, There was a lot more going on inside of here for most of my clients. Um, My clients would come to me and I realized most of them actually weren't saying I don't like my body. A lot of them were saying, I don't like myself. And there's something going on inside of me that's causing me to treat my body this way. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up getting very interested in psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are other like avenues you can go to to work with people at that capacity. But yeah. I am just the person that wants to know why and wants to know more. And I'm not scared of school. I love school. Mm-hmm. So I did look at different avenues I could go down I mean, first, like nutrition and dietetics, um, but I just knew that I would want to essentially give myself all the tools I possibly could to mm-hmm. be able to manage health.
0: Twenty-seven years old,
1: mm-hmm.
0: staring down four years of med school, x number of years of post back work, yeah, uh, residency, all that. Was there ever a thought of like, nah, that's too much. I, I just, I need to get on with my life.
1: Um. Yeah, but it wasn't like, um, see how to explain, how do I explain this? That was kind of the initial thought. Yeah. The initial thought is that's too much. I can't do, like, I was so scared to say it out loud at the time. I was dating my current husband, but we weren't living together yet, but we were getting more serious talking about getting married. Um. And I, yeah, I just, I thought, I'm going to put myself through this. I'm going to put him through this. And now, you also have to understand that I know nothing about this industry, like the medical field. My parents aren't doctors, um, so I'm like, I didn't even realize that resident doctors get paid. Like I didn't, like, I <laughs> they do. Did not know
0: <laughs> very little. No, I
1: did. But, yeah, <laughs> but hey, there's a big difference between paying yes. fifty or sixty thousand a year during med school and then getting paid. Yes. Um. So that was kind of one thing that I thought. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So you actually do kind of like it's not like you're just putting in yourself in debt for eight full years, even though the interest is accruing. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I absolutely at first I just thought this is too long. I can't do this. Yeah. Um but I mean I spent a long time researching it. I'm not someone that's gonna just like jump in. I had to know that it was truly possible. And I had to obviously speak to my my partner as well and make sure that he was supportive and yeah. he was overwhelmingly supportive, still is. How did that conversation
0: go? Like, hey, honey, um, (laughs) how do you feel about educational debt?
1: Oh my gosh, how did that conversation go? I was so nervous. I actually, um, I videotaped myself one day telling myself that I wanted to go to med school before I ever told him because I just wanted I just wanted to keep myself accountable for it yeah and I was so at the by the time I told him I wanted to we were already living together and I was so nervous and it's so funny because I came I came into the conversation like kind of immaturely almost like ready to give him an ultimatum almost ready (laughs) to be like and if you're not going to support me then I'm out because I you know and he was like whoa 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 you're not even giving me a se- like a second to talk. Yeah. And he had no hesitation. Yeah. He was just overwhelmingly supportive. And that really, I mean, that absolutely helped. I I wonder how people at my age would do it if they didn't have someone in their life that was super supportive of it. Because yeah. it's hard. You get really isolated.
0: Yeah. How did your friends take it?
1: <laughs> they were like, of course she's going to do this. <laughs> um I'm just kind of like notorious to my friend group for not being okay with not being happy. Um, I why why new- is that
0: not the norm? Like w- in society, it's like, oh, I don't care that you're unhappy. That's what you chose. Like stick with it. Like, why is that the norm versus let's uproot my life and change things because I'm not happy?
1: No, I know. I, I find it so funny. I tell my friends this all the time. Like the mentality is, um, you know, I'm 28. I'm doing something I don't like. It makes me unhappy every day. Um, but instead of just, like you said, uprooting and trying something else, let me go ahead and just tease this out for the next 30 years and see how I feel. Like you're not just going to become happier one day,
0: maybe tomorrow, (laughs) maybe 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 tomorrow.
1: tomorrow
0: (laughs) I think that's Um, what most people do. And then tomorrow turns into 20 years.
1: Absolutely. For sure. Um, my friends, (laughs) it was um, most of my friends were supportive I mean I think that they probably didn't really understand just like how the general sentiment is why are you going to put yourself through that Yep. you know just not really understanding it um and there was absolutely a transitionary period where my friends could not comprehend the fact that I can't I can't necessarily go out as much as we were going out before I can't spend money the way we were spending money before and like my my life has to make a huge shift yeah. I can't go get my nails done. I don't have an extra twenty dollars. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, over a couple of years. I mean, but then COVID hit too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I That's went back a little, to school and <laughs> little thing called COVID. So yeah. so let me ask you the the very stereotypical thing that I hear from other women in your situation. Mm-hmm. But what about kids? What about the- a family? Did did you I, uh, get any of that from from friends, from coworkers, from mentors, from physicians?
1: <laughs> yeah, I just responded to a to a, a comment about that on social media. Someone commented on one of my videos. But yes, um, and I'm sure my mother is going to listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> mom, I don't want this to sound like I'm throwing you under the bus. Um, but that was actually the first thing my mom said. I yeah. called my mom and told her I wanted to go to medical school, and she said, "I'm just really worried that you're going to miss out on the things in life that are the most important." having kids Um, but I also think
0: important to who
1: exactly to whom (laughs) and that's and that and that is kind of the the mentality that I've had to remind myself over and over again is that everyone's life is a little bit different you know my brother is living in South Louisiana he's got two kids I mean he's got an amazing wife and he has his own job and they do great Um, and he's only a year older than me Mm -hmm. but that's just not the life that I wanted at 31 years older, you know, yep. and that's okay. Thankfully I live in California, so nobody's having kids here <laughs> till they're 40 anyways. Yes. Yes.
0: You gotta, gotta keep <laughs> anyway. Um, so, all right. So y- you had that conversation. You've, you've thought okay. about that. You've had to, um, kind of argue against it.
1: And just to be clear, I do want kids and okay. my husband does want kids. So yeah. that is still our plan. Yeah. Um, we're just not sure. We're not sure what that's going to look like yet.
0: I often hear, uh, from students asking the question, like when, when is the right time? Right. They're asking me. I don't know why they're asking me. (laughs) Um, but, but, well, you uh,
1: have kids, don't you?
0: Yeah, I have two kids, but but me as the guy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's typically the, the woman who unfortunately is faced with those decisions of like when and where and whatever. Um, and, and we as a family, my wife and I made the decision to wait until after she was done with residency. But I know plenty of students going through this process who have kids before school, uh, during med school, during residency. There is not one right path, one right time to have a kid. Having a kid is hard, like period, end of story. Um, and so you just figure out where you want that hardness in your life.
1: We, uh, my husband and I got a puppy back in December. And it is not the same. I don't want anyone <laughs> to quote me thinking it is the same. I know, And it's almost like the fact that I know how different and how much more serious having a kid is. It's almost like scaring me yeah. even more because the puppy is so much work. But I did tell my husband the other day, got home from work, and I said, I have figured it out. I know when I want kids. And he was mm. like, I said, when we can afford help. Mm when we can afford to have a nanny or if we live near family, but right now we can't afford help because I'm a full-time student and we don't have any family in California. So something's got to give.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that makes sense. And it's a, it's an easy, an easy kind of variable to figure out.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. You make the decision. I think I want to be a doctor. What's the first step for you as a 27 year old accountant, uh, who probably didn't take many science courses that weren't required during undergrad. Where's that first step to figure out where to go and what classes to take? And do I even like science classes? All that fun stuff. I
1: know. I know. Thankfully, I actually, I was a math major when I first started, not quite the same as science, but I knew that I at least had hopefully the mental capacity to handle it. I just started Googling, right? Like I started looking at prerequisites, the prerequisites I needed And I found you and I found just other free uh, resources online. But there's, it's almost like there's so much information that it's really overwhelming. So I would typically, like, I would think of the best, I mean, every USMD program is amazing. Every USDO program, every, everything is amazing. But I would look up, you know, like a UCLA or a Harvard or something that I'm like, if they have these requirements, then Probably other schools have similar requirements. Mm. Um, and I would look up the courses that I needed. And then I, you know, I, I looked into different things. I looked into the formal post back, I looked into community college. I looked into extension programs. Um, and ultimately I decided on doing a DIY post because I didn't want to start medical school with debt. So yeah, that, I mean, I think that was the first, and I called, you know, I called the different extension programs and I called, uh, like Santa Monica community college, tried to talk to their advisors and, um, the advising is kind of subpar, not just, not just with SMC, but like any of these kind of like post back um, options, I just felt like I was never getting the full story grasping how long the application cycle was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I spent a lot of time on Google. I mean, I made a spreadsheet. (laughs) I also and I mean, just from a financial standpoint, I also made a spreadsheet of what will my life look like if I stay an accountant forever? What will my life look like if I stay in the fitness industry forever? And then what will my life look like if I go to medical school? Because you also can't as you get older, I think you have to recognize that you're putting yourself in a lot of debt and yeah. you're gonna be working for less years. So you're looking so at opportunity kind of, of, cost. Yeah. 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 And, and like as long as it's break-even, yeah, I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah. So because, so let's talk about that because there is a very popular podcaster out there, physician. I call him a friend, who breaks everything down really into that, like, what's the ROI? is it break even mm-hmm. is it not if it's not break even it's not worth it and i'm just like i talk to so many 30 40 50 60 year old people who regret the day that they decided they didn't want to go to medical school a lot of times because of that cost and i just don't think you can put a number on regret
1: well and that's the thing like you if you're going to analyze it that way then you have to also come up with what that is valued at to you yeah. and maybe for someone else, you know, like, um, I don't want to, a friend of mine, that's what I'll say. I don't <laughs> want this person to know who it is I'm talking about. A friend of mine is perfectly fine with having their life at home with their husband and their dogs and then their life at work yep. and they don't love what they do, but they like the stability and they're fine with that. Yep. I, need to feel excited about what I'm doing. Maybe not every single day. Yeah. At the end of the day, being a doctor is still just a job. Um, but I still need to have that passion and that drive every day. So for me, um, even if it's not break-even, even if say like in the lifetime, your lifetime earnings from a financial standpoint, you end up losing because I'm starting at 32 years old. You know How much am I losing? And how does that compare to a lifetime of feeling regretful yeah. or what I really think about is a lifetime of feeling like I didn't fulfill my potential. And that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. And I think that was the main driver.
0: Yeah, no, I I think, I think it's an important discussion because I think as I mentioned, right, I don't think you can put a number on regret. And I think um, it's very easy to look at the math and you as an accountant, it's probably was very quick for you to build a spreadsheet. And I wonder, like, I wonder if we can work together and build some sort of spreadsheet for non trads out there. They're like, here's my current salary. If yeah. I, if I stop working, go to school, I have my tuition costs. I lost the opportunity costs of all of that salary. Like what does that look like um it, It'll be interesting to provide a tool mm-hmm. for students to do that i have mm-hmm. looked for stuff mm-hmm. that's super easy plug and play but i've never seen uh, I've never seen anything so we yeah. should we should chat about that that'd be cool I'm down the um the decision to do the do it yourself postback the diy mm-hmm. postback obviously very much comes down to money a lot of the times the formal mm-hmm. postbacks are very expensive versus just enrolling in a, a college or a community college And taking classes typically as a non-degree seeking student, were were there any huge hurdles for you to be like hey i'm here i don't really want a degree but i just want to take classes what was that process like talking to the registrar and all that fun stuff
1: um actually it wasn't that difficult with smc because i think a lot of students do that at smc Mm. uh that's santa monica college for anyone who's not familiar with the area i live in long beach um I actually was not living in Long Beach when I decided to do this. I was living closer to SMC. So for those of you that are like, that doesn't make sense. Why I do that. <laughs> it's kind um, of
0: like, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: it's very far, uh, but no, I'm actually taking a class now at Long Beach. It's right near my house. Um, so no, it wasn't, it wasn't that complicated. It was a little more complicated whenever I decided to take a few classes at UCLA Extension. Okay. So I had to take three biology classes there. And I, they offer a formal postback program, and because I wasn't going to take all of the classes, um, you know, they really wanted to put me in the formal postback program. But I had already taken a few courses at SMC, and it's kind of like an all or nothing thing for the formal postbacks, at least with that one I was looking at. Um, I did, however, at one point, I needed to take a higher level course. I think it was a biochem and SMC didn't offer it. And I was trying to take it at UC Irvine. And it was very complicated. You know, I'm, like that conversation, it just seemed like whoever I was speaking to didn't really understand what I was trying to do. And I tried to explain, of course you say DIY post back. and unless they're in this specific non-trad world, yeah. that makes no sense to them either. Um, long story short, that course ended up being for that one standalone course, like $1,800. Oh. And i I ended up taking it somewhere else cuz every all t- combined the 18 courses I took at Santa Monica College cost me $3300. What? That's nothing. dollars it's, like it's nothing. And then I took three courses at UCLA Extension and those were each about 7 or 800 a piece. So yeah. I'm all in for less than 5 grand. Wow. I know.
0: That's phenomenal. Now
1: Now I'm also on the other side of this though. And I'm, I try to be careful on social media because I don't want to give a false sense of security to people that want to go the community college route. Cause like, yes, I've been accepted. Yeah. I also, I also applied to 20 programs and I got into one, yeah. you know? So people ask me all the time, do you think the community college route hurt your chances? And I'm like,
0: it's impossible I, to know.
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's impossible to know unfortunately, right? That is mm-hmm. a variable. Could it have been one of the variables? Potentially.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and, and I can I can give you plenty of anecdotal evidence of people <laughs> who did all of their like undergrad classes at community colleges and got into multiple programs and are just exactly. doing their thing. So it's just it's impossible, it's hard. What was the transition like going from employee worker B to mm-hmm. Oh, I'm taking Gen Chem and Gen Bio and OChem. Was that a hard transition from a student aspect and and from a science aspect?
1: It's funny. Um, I genuinely believe. So I took Intro to Bio, Intro to Chem, and Intro to Physics because I wanted to build a super solid foundation. I yeah. probably could have gotten all of this done a bit faster and possibly applied the year before, but I just I knew the MCAT was coming at some point, so. I basically went back to high school right? in right. um, those intro courses. And I think that first semester was the hardest. Intro to chem was, to me, harder than organic chemistry because it was like learning a completely different language. Yeah. Um, I had been out of it for so long. So there was absolutely a transition there to learning how to study again and just, I wouldn't say stay motivated because, you know, I spent. 27 years of my life, not really knowing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And when I figured out what I wanted to do, it just was switch. so lit. Yeah. So liberating. Yeah. Like just. The, I, the I hear that
0: story from so many students, uh, especially students. I think you were, you were lucky where you were motivated enough. I, I we didn't talk about your GPA or anything undergrad, but I'm assuming it was good enough. Um, mm-hmm. I talk to so many students who are like 1.5, 2.0 students. Cause they mm-hmm. just like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I does obviously I'm not a good student. And then once they realize at 25, 28, 30, like, Oh crap, I need to be a doctor. And then they're like 3.8 students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I know it's, it's incredible. That switch of motivation.
1: Mm-hmm. I know it, it was interesting put, in putting all my grades into the MCAS um, my GPA was fine. I got a 3.4, but my freshman year of college, I got a 2.9
0: crushing it. And
1: I was coming from, I was coming from like all AP courses in high school, Graduated yeah. high school with a 4.2 did well in my ACT, all of that just thought I was going to jump into college and love it. But I didn't like my classes. I just yeah. was, I also never drank in high school. And then I moved <laughs> to new Orleans.
0: <laughs> Oops. Yeah, uh, yeah. But Jen, wait a minute. Uh, college 18. Um, that's not of age. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's uh, what's what's the uh, statute of limitations. Um, <laughs> so you you go through your classes, you're doing well. There are other things involved with being a pre-med student, you have to go mm-hmm. get clinical experience, right? Being a trainer for your aunt isn't uh, the pillar extracurricular activity that's going to get you into med school how did you figure out all these other things that you should be doing
1: okay so keep in mind this is during covid yep so that made things very difficult um i mean like i don't necessarily want to uh give future pre meds the potential mental issues that i got from reddit but reddit i mean reddit helped me i mean I feel bad even saying that. Now keep in mind, guys, the people who use Reddit are definitely neurotic. So when you see the <laughs> 520s and the 3.9s. Um, but Reddit did help me a lot. I do yeah. think that it kind of like it gave me a sense of the competitiveness mm-hmm. of getting into medical school because I did I really didn't understand. Yeah. I really didn't. Um and then also, like again, watching your podcast, just understanding that I needed more than just an MCAT score and a GPA. And then the other interesting layer of this is I do think maybe as a non-traditional student, maybe as an undergrad, you go in thinking, I'm checking boxes. like I, I need this for my application. That's why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And then you do it and you realize, no, I'm doing this to understand what I'm getting into for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, I mean I volunteered in the ER and I provided very minimal value right you know um but it was still tough it was still stressful and watching what the physicians and all of the providers are going through especially during covid now my my work in the ER like ebbed and flowed depending on where covid was I wasn't allowed to be in there um but yeah in terms of figuring it out just Again, it was on Google. Like truly, I figured everything out just from reading. I spent so much time online. Yeah, those that first like six months.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you knew the questions to ask, which I think uh, was good. Where you figured out at least the questions to ask, which I think a yeah. lot of students uh, can't figure out. You, you mentioned earlier underestimating the application. Oh yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: Oh, in 2021, I, I thought I was going to apply in 2021 because I had done all my prereqs except physics two and biochem. Those were the only two I hadn't done. And I thought that, and I was, so I was going to finish that semester in June and I was going to study for the MCAT. I was going to start studying for the MCAT mid-June and I was going to take the MCAT at the end of July. Yeah. Exactly, and I was gonna, you know, apply in August ish. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, because the deadlines are October, so that's exactly, fine. Exactly,
1: exactly. Deadlines game. are October. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and you know, I can't. Yeah, I actually don't remember the moment that I realized, like, oh, this isn't how it works. Uh, but I do remember trying to study for the MCAT in just six weeks with after without having taken biochem, which. I know biochem is not necessarily a prereq for all med schools or even for the MCAT, but that blows my mind. Cause it seems very important to me. Yep. Um, and I'm just spending like days and days and days trying to learn the metabolic pathways. And I haven't even touched cars and all of this. And I'm just having a full on breakdown and realizing that I need more time. And so I truly think it was after that. I remember my husband comes home from work one day, keep in mind that I put him through this already for two plus years. And I have to tell him I am not applying to medical school this year. I am not taking the MCAT right now. I don't have time. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to get in. I can't waste the money. I have to push everything off for a year. And that was hard for like a few days. I felt like a failure. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like this breath of fresh air. I have so much time. I can now build an application that I'm proud of, an application that I feel not like guaranteed I'm gonna get accepted, but I, I love a lot better than yeah. I was feeling before. And then at the time I had like very little clinical experience and like maybe 30 shadowing hours. Yeah. At the time I hadn't even started my ER volunteering at that point in 2021. So I ended up getting that gig after this whole realization. A, a
0: lot of students in your situation would just be like, eh, what's the harm, right? I'm just, I'm gonna apply, I'm gonna give a shot. I'm just gonna, just gonna throw my hat in the ring. Why why yeah. not go with that attitude?
1: So I almost did, um, but my husband and I are in an interesting situation. We live in the LA area. Um, I'm from Louisiana. He's from New York. So those are basically the three areas that we're okay with being. And there are pros and cons to all of them um his parents are a little bit older and have some health issues it would be nice to be closer to them my parents are younger and could help with kids if that's our plan and then just being here in LA I mean some of the you know quote-unquote best medical schools are here but more so it's just the weather our house is here our life is here our friends are here Mm -hmm. um I just felt like if I just threw my hat so I guess first layer of that is I have a minimum of like 10 schools I would want to apply to. And I know the average applies to 18 and that's what I ended up doing ultimately, but you're going to throw your hat in the ring. And I just never, I didn't feel comfortable knowing I wasn't putting my best foot forward. Mm. So like, maybe I would end up getting one acceptance and I don't want to explain this from like a a med school ranking, but maybe it's not where I want to be. And maybe I'm always going to wonder if I had put my best foot forward, if I could have gotten in somewhere that I would have preferred to be, or maybe I throw my hat in the ring and I get in nowhere. We waste all this money. I am just absolutely demoralized. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, like maybe this is an immature thing to say, but then I have to tell everyone in my life that I didn't get accepted. And I just, I didn't think that I could handle that at that time. I was already... I was already trying to study for the MCAT and just feeling really down every day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that that fear of failure, I think is what drives a lot of decisions. Unfortunately, uh, they're at the last minute and, and mm-hmm. so much of the fear and anxiety around the application process. I've been talking about this uh, a lot recently with students. There is a lot of stuff that you have to do as a pre-med, but almost none of it is has the potential for failure, right? You're taking classes. Sure, you could fail a class, but that's just a class. That's not live or die, I will be a doctor, I won't be a doctor. But there, yeah. there's that mental switch when it's like, oh, okay, now this is the application. This yeah. is where I will be a doctor or I won't be a doctor. And, yeah. I, and I think that mentality is obviously very well, um, like it's understandable. And I think it's it's misplaced because one application cycle is not I will be a doctor I won't be a doctor mm-hmm. it's just I'll get into med school this cycle or I won't get into med school this cycle yeah. and I can try again next time um, but yeah so so you you delayed applying I think rightfully so right rolling in admissions mm-hmm. and all that stuff uh, you you made the right decision what was it like to to submit your application and get that first interview invite.
1: Oh my gosh! I was actually um, so I did not apply with research, and this is related. I did not have research on my primary application. I did get an opportunity to do glioblastoma research at UCLA, and I just think if something that like that comes up, you don't say no. Mm. And you know, even after spending that year improving my application, I still didn't know if I was going to get in, and I thought let's take this opportunity. So. I was at I was at UCLA my first day getting a tour of the lab with my lab manager and he uh we're just chatting about the application cycle and everything and I sit down at my desk and the notification and he had walked away and now mind you I have known this guy for all of 15 minutes and I sit down at my desk and I see the notification for the interview and I jump up and run over to this stranger <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> uh, it was great. It was amazing. And then I think I got another interview just a few days later. Yeah. And so then I think when the second one rolled in, I was like, okay, the first one wasn't a fluke.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, um, the first one was not a mistake. Uh, there are multiple people out there. They're going to be fighting for me. Um, what was, what was interview day? Like did, did your non-traditional status come up in interviews of like, why are you so old? Why do you want to do this?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first interview day, I think there were 10 of us, maybe. Um, they had us go around and say what our major was and when we graduated college.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's kind I, of illegal. Isn't that like just a roundabout way of trying to figure out how old you are?
1: I um, I was the only one that had graduated in the teens, like the 20 teens. I was like, ooh, everyone is very young. <laughs> um, there were quite a few, um, like, ju- what, it's juniors. Yeah, juniors kind of, no, they would be seniors, right? They would apply when they were seniors. So, like, there were quite a few individuals that were still in college. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, like, it was fine. Actually. I still think I it's remember, illegal.
0: But, yeah, sure, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I just meant, like, <laughs> I didn't feel, I felt okay. Yeah. Um, I actually remember there was a Q and a session before our interviews and I'm not kidding you. And this is virtual, right?
0: You're in a virtual virtual. environment.
1: I asked 90% of the questions Yeah. and I was giving the floor away, but that was kind of one of the first moments that I realized, wow, I'm, I'm a little bit older than the other people in this room. Um, I don't know if it's like a lack of confidence or just nerves and I still get very nervous, Mm. but I had a whole list of questions (laughs) just ready to fire off. Yeah. Um,
0: as a non-trad with a spouse, maybe having kids, maybe not having kids during school, how much of family support, spousal support, that sort of environment is important for you as you were looking at schools?
1: Um, definitely important. I didn't find that information though, by like looking at the school website. Yeah. Um, I looked for that information by communicating with current or like previous med students of those schools. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but um, gosh, it's amazing who you can meet if you just put things out on social media and like some, I also, because I worked in fitness in the LA area, I have a large network. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, somebody would randomly message me. Oh my, I, I mean the, actually the individual that my husband hires, like twice a year to detail his, one of his cars, his brother goes to a school around here. So it's just like random connections like that. Um, my, I was at a wedding in Mexico in July and the bride's like college friend cousin went to just graduated from another school. Mm-hmm. So I would actually, I, I would call these people. And this is how I got shadowing too. Yeah. Um, I would dial on a phone, <laughs> talk. Uh, I know that's something, that I know how no old you job. are
0: based on your your pinky and thumb orientation of talking <laughs> on a phone versus nowadays kids are just like flat hand.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I actually spoke to an individual who graduated from. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about where I got in, yeah. but who graduated to from LSU New Orleans, which is where I have my first acceptance. And he shared with me that he went to, um, he did his first two years of school, questioned whether he wanted to be a doctor, Mm -hmm. took off for two years. And then LSU was worked with him, let him come back. He finished his last two years of rotations. And he said that They were just like welcomed him with open arms, worked with him the whole time. Um, And hearing things like that makes me not that I plan to take time off, but we just don't know where the next few years are going to take us with my husband and I wanting to have kids, as you said, and Mm -hmm. um, knowing that I would have that kind of support and flexibility is definitely important to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. For those following in your footsteps, you have become very... Uh, prominent on TikTok on social media, uh, leading the premeds, letting them led letting Jen led the pre-med.
1: You know, that's my last name, right? Everyone yep. knows this, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Um. Not not the arrogance, like I'm the one leading everyone. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that video when it came out. Anyway, um, why 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 TikTok? Why social media? Why why are you doing that?
1: Yeah. Um, because I wish that I had found someone that did it before me and as a (laughs) non-traditional career changer, also a woman, I do think it makes a difference. Like I've had quite a few women reach out to me and ask me as you, as we started this conversation about the kid thing and the family thing. And, um, you know, men might say like, well, I want to have a family too, but unfortunately you're not going to be the one actually carrying the child and birthing the child. So there's that, um, yeah, I found you know, I found a few people on social media platforms as I was going through this. and, like I said, I used Reddit a lot. But I don't think that I found anyone that actually, so I found this girl. She's not on social media. I found her because she and I follow the same content creator who's a traditional pre-med. Mm. So I found this individual. She commented on a video and said, I'll be 31 when I start med school. And I messaged her on Instagram and she and I have now become friends. Like nice. we we've, we've never met in person, but um, even just having this basically stranger that I could randomly ask a question to or just check in like, how's it going? And she would message me, application cycle starting, I'm so excited for you. Just helped so much, helped me not feel alone. I think that is the biggest struggle of being a non-traditional student, especially during a pandemic, was feeling so incredibly isolated. None of my friends are going through this. All of the people that are doing this are much younger than me. So I just wanted to build a platform and a community for other students or just people that so that they know, and you know what? I'm getting a little sidetracked. You don't have to wanna be a doctor to follow my platform. Like maybe you just wanna do something. Like Mm -hmm. I just want people to understand they don't have to be 27 in a career that they don't like and do that for the rest of their life. It is possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I would say deciding to go back to med school might be one of the more challenging routes because it's so long. I think that there are people who are 27, 28, that maybe they just want to go to law school or they just want to quit their job and become an artist. Yep. And all of that seems so too scary. So I hope that I can provide proof that it's possible. Yeah,
0: no, you're, you're doing that. Uh, you have done that for the student out there um, who wants to be a doctor uh, is in the career that they, they don't like. Um as we wrap up here, what kind of final words of wisdom do you have for them?
1: I would say um, start getting clinical experience as early as you can. And you don't have to do some like clinical experience that requires um, training. My first clinical job was a hospice volunteer. Mm-hmm. So I just applied online, you know, did the background check thing and um, I was a companionship volunteer at essentially like nursing homes. I did some house calls as well. But I mean, not just for your med school application, but you just really need to know as soon as possible if this is what you want to do. As a non-traditional student who's never worked in a healthcare setting, um, it's not the same as what you see on Grayson Valley.
0: (laughs) No, no. And 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 thankfully. Yeah, I I often see from non-trad specifically, the first thing they do is Go back to class, like oh, let me see if yeah, I can that's do I class,
1: did. and that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. and thankfully it worked out, it worked and out. I loved being in the ER and the hospice and stuff. But I could absolutely see someone getting into the ER, getting into these these environments that are really just kind of uncomfortable, yeah. and realizing like, oh, yeah. this is not.
0: I I talked to someone recently. She's a now a professor uh, of biology. She went to med school, and she was like. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> she and she dropped out after her first year. She's like, I, I don't like, I don't, it's I don't like it.
1: It's like work. Yeah. It is work. It is not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Jen led the pre-med on TikTok and wherever else you're you're hanging out these <laughs> days. Thanks for coming Thank on, you. sharing your story. Good luck to you yeah. on your journey.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: All right. There you have it. Again, Jen from Jen Led, the pre-med on TikTok and Instagram. Go check her out. She's a great advocate for pre-meds out there. And go see what she's doing. Hope you have a great week. Again, don't forget to check out Blueprint MCAT's Summer Immersive. One month, get MCAT ready in four weeks. Go to blueprintmcat.com and see how they can help you today.